bullying. Tom is here. He's helping me. I'm so I'm so thankful you're here. Thank you. I'm, glad I'm just to be and, here. and okay. So we did a few episodes in your studio. Yeah. What is your Zod Lounge? Zod Lounge. Yeah. Yes. Over by the zoo. Um. And so we have Josh Terry here, who is the founder CEO of Workshop Management. And first, I'm going to start with a formal apology, which I know I've done like three times, but it's just <laughs> I'm a I'm an Instagram too. It's how I am. We recorded this episode back in I don't know October November, and it was awful quality in the sound department. So he's been so nice to come back and do it with us again. I'm so excited you are here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. Of course. Okay. So we're going to talk about what you do. You're an artist manager. You're also an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You're also a Nashvillian. True. Is it villain? Villian? Is it like a villain, like in Kim Possible? I don't know. Um, but we're going to talk about what you do because I think I think you do it really well. I learned so much last time you were here and I want to make sure that information is not lost and that everybody gets to hear it. So cool. we're just going to start with um, you talking about kind of how you started. I know you started your own business back when you were how old? College. I was, I was 20 years old. Yeah. 20 years old. Mm-hmm. See, guys. And I know a lot of our listeners are kind of around that age. So like yeah. you can do things really early. I was probably that age too. I think I was 19 and I got my first gig at Radio Disney, started my own company in my parents' bedroom called Starstruck Productions, mm-hmm. found out Reba had a company named Starstruck. <laughs> Dad said, she's going to sue you. We changed it. Um, but you started that on your own living in South Carolina, right? Correct. Yeah. And look at you now. You got all kind of accolades. You got gold records on your wall. You got all these things. Um, so eventually what happened was you saw your story. So you, you started your own business. It was purchased by Aware Records. Yep. I started my own business in college. Um, I had a couple of bands to get signed while I was in school. Um, and then they proceeded to get dropped a year later. Um, and then I went on tour for a bit. And while I was on tour, I was still managing some of the bands from the road mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then I got tired of being on the road after a while. And uh, Aware Records in Chicago called me and said, we need a young manager. Can we buy you out? They brought me in and I became a manager at the company and was there for, I was about, there for about nine years through some of our biggest awesome. times. Yeah. Did you love Chicago? I hated Chicago. It was, so cold. <laughs> it was freezing. So yeah. uh, I had to leave. I, I was there. I was in Chicago for about six years and okay. then I had a breaking point where I had been there for nine straight months and it had snowed every single day. And I literally walked into my boss's office, my boss's office and was like, I'm either leaving or you're firing me today because I cannot do this ever again. So, so is that how you ended up in Nashville? You yeah. were just like, what, what was the Nashville connection? Uh, at the time I was managing Matt Carney okay. um, and my family's all from the Carolinas. So it was gotcha. kind of a good midway point for yeah. me. And I wasn't going to go to New York or LA at all. Where, so. What is the town you're from? Uh, a town called Fountain Inn, South Carolina. It's in Greenville. I feel like small little town. for some reason you had said the name and then I, okay. So I, I drove my nephew to Legoland from Richmond, Virginia nice. to Cypress Gardens, Florida. Yep. Should have taken 10 hours and 43 minutes. It took 19 hours. Two days after Christmas, but I remember going through and like remembering, I saw the sign for that area and I was like, oh, I heard of that, you know, type of thing. So spent a long Long time in South Carolina that day. Mm. I saw all the back roads, you know, and that's when the six-year-old has to pee. And I'm like, we're going to be murdered. You're going to pee in a cup. I don't care. Um, So yeah, ended up in Nashville. And then from there, where was the break where you kind of started your own thing? I was, I was aware for about three more years at that point. Mm -hmm. And then at a certain point, the company started downsizing. Some of our managers went to red light. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them left to go to live nation. A couple just got out of the business. Yeah. And uh, it, it just felt like it. I had my feet on my ground here. Um, and it was a weird thing because I never planned on leaving the company, but no. I had just felt the timing was right. And my gut just kind of said, you need to do something yeah. different. And I had a conversation with my then boss and we did a phase out plan. And 
I started workshop not long after that. And that's great. And I think that's a good point too. Cause like there are always going to be points in your career where you kind of may want to change course or, you know, it's time to move on. And, and I think those, I think a gut is a very good way of putting that. And you got to trust that. Like yeah. if you know yourself, you're in tune with yourself, you're in tune with your goals, you got to trust that. And I think just, you know, the other reason I want to bring it up is, you know, I've run a company for 13 years now. Totally. I've had people leave in very respectful ways. I've mm-hmm. had people leave in shit ways. Totally. Like I remember one time we had an intern that, didn't show up. And it was to the point where I was like, I'm actually worried. Like maybe we should call her emergency contact, whatever. Yeah. The next, we never heard from her two days later or something like that. We go to Taco Mamacita. She's our waitress. Oh, <laughs> And we were like, Oh yeah. my gosh. So there's just a proper way to, and granted that was just an intern, but, um, <laughs> I love that you said that you had a plan with your, your team and you face it out and you may, and I think that's really important. You know, this industry is so small. It's yeah. built on relationships. There are only so many, I think, honest people in this industry. You want to know all those people totally. and you want to keep those relationships. It's really, it's really, really important. So well, and it was, it was important to me. I, th- I had been at that company for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, my then boss had, had opened so many doors for me and mm-hmm. just was a good person. Yeah. And so the in- entire part of me leaving was like, making it clear that I wasn't leaving to go to join a bigger company and yeah. take clients with me and, and do that. But just more to like, I was inspired by the way he had created a business mm-hmm. in his own culture and I wanted to do the same thing. And he respected that because we were just honest with each other and it made for a very easy parting. We're still very good friends. He's a good, good advisor. And it just was a, it was a good reminder of like, if you handle yourself the right way, yeah. good things come. Yeah. So, so do you, so you're still in touch with him. Is, yeah. is aware record still? It's no longer a thing. Okay. Um, he's a, he's a teacher at Northwestern now. He's also oh, cool. like a, a, an entrepreneur and investor in Chicago does a lot awesome. of different stuff. So yeah. I remember when I was in high school, I thought I had to go to Northwestern because <laughs> I thought the only way that I was going to be able to work with the Backstreet Boys was to be a journalist and interview them one day. Mm. So my journalism teacher went to Northwestern. I'm like, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. That, and my parents are like, can't afford that. <laughs> so I ended up here, but I still got the Backstreet Boys. There so, you go. You know, that's when you can push the drum thing. <laughs> right, Tom? If I can find it. <laughs> I told him I hated those things. And now I'm like, can you do it? Can you please do it? Yeah. Awesome. Um, awesome. So what are, what are kind of the key things you do every day? I don't think we've actually had an artist manager on here, like oh. a full-time artist manager. So what are some of the key things you can tell people? And I, and I think this is a good question because I feel like a lot of people don't completely understand what artist managers do. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, uh, movies and things that make yeah. people think they know what they do, but totally. like, I always say like it's a glorified babysitter. That's a great way. You to know, put and another it. way is yeah. that you're also helping someone else run their business as yeah. an entrepreneur. So yeah. I'll let you talk, but can you just kind of tell people like what an artist manager does on the day to day? Totally. Yeah. I, I think the best way that I've learned to describe it is if, if a band is a business, which they all technically should mm-hmm. be, um, an artist manager is brought in to be the CEO of the business. He doesn't own the business. He's not entitled to anything. He can get hired and fired at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, but he or she is supposed to run the business as if they can find the best avenues for it to be monetized, um, create more opportunity, and also just lighten the burden on the artist who yep. owns the business so they can be more focused on the creative, more focused on their live show, and feel like everything else is kind of dotted and, and, and teed up. So um, a lot of my day, my day-to-day changes every day. That's one of the things I love and hate about the job is I don't know what I'm walking into every day. So there's days where I'm on emails all day. There's days where I'm on the phone for 16 hours straight. 
Um, I've had days where I had to teach a 19 year old kid how to break into a trailer in Germany and steal it. Um, and I've had days that I've, I've had to teach people how to write off certain expenses that are illegal. And then I've also had days where I've literally walked a kid through an 18 month plan of like, we're going to do this, 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 and then I've been able to see it to fruition. Um, I am, I am the voice piece business wise for the band. So Mm -hmm. Any idea the band has, they'll come to me and then throughout their entire team from their publicist to their lawyer, their business manager, their booking agent, to anybody else who works for them. My job is to make sure those people are touched every day, spoken to every day, and they understand the band's vision. So they, as experts in each field, mm-hmm. can help create more opportunity, earn more money, and just put the band on a really positive path. And if I do yeah. my job well, everything connects and the band grows and continues to get bigger and I can mm-hmm. work with the band forever if I do my job poorly, opportunities do not come in. Um, and sometimes if I do my job well and the band's not ready for those opportunities, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Um, so it's a very fun job where you get to help young people kind of figure out their path mm-hmm. and create a business to support their art. Um, it's a very personal job, which sometimes can blend in and, and become a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've met some really good people. And I think one of the things I like the most about the job is every artist I've ever worked for, whether it was a positive or negative experience, has taught me something that I've mm-hmm. been able to take into my own life and in my own professional career, um, which I don't think is really normal in every job, but every no, I experience agree, yeah. has helped. Yeah. So you you kind of led into two other things that I want to talk about. You can pick which one first. One, I want to talk about artist contracts. Yeah. Um, and then two, boundaries yep. with your artists. Um, contracts, I don't do. I've done them twice. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you believe in contracts? Because I don't believe in contracts either. I, I don't believe in them because I've just seen too many experiences where the manager is always screwed over in the contract, yeah. and I don't really think they're worth wiping your butt with. Um, so yeah. I don't do them. Um, well, and I thought you said something interesting where you were saying, like, if an artist has yeah. a bunch of opportunities you gain for them and they're not ready for it. Cause I've always felt at this point where it's like, there's this point where like, I want it more than the artist sometimes. Totally. And you're at this like point where you're kind of screwed. Cause like you're supposed to be managing them. You're under contract. They can't leave either. But if you both don't want to equally do something, it's not going to go anywhere anyways. It. And you're all sitting around with a contract on the table. It's, it's a, you know, it, it, you have to treat it as a relationship first, more than mm-hmm. a business. Like yeah. your job is to help someone define their expectations, mm-hmm. be realistic about them, but also dream. Yeah. And when you do that, you sometimes get involved with people that have big ideas, but have poor execution. And yep. sometimes you get involved yeah. with people that, that have big ideas, but also can execute. And when you do that, their Magic. talents and your talents are different. You both stay in your own lane mm-hmm. and you create big things, but it's hard because I think one of the things people forget sometimes is the median age for an artist sometimes is teenage to mid twenties. And yeah. then they're, old news. They're babies. And if you think about yourself in those time frames, those were the times you were the stupidest person <laughs> in the entire world. So like you didn't listen to reason. You didn't listen to logic. You led with ego. You were reactionary. Spent your money. Totally. And, <laughs> and, and so our job is kind of to be kind of like a coach to them to not yeah. like define, you have to do this. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. It's their business. It's their money. But to try to tell them like, no, no, we're trying to give you some perspective mm-hmm. so that as these things happen, you'll be ready for them because it's a very fulfilling thing when things work out. And it's yeah. a scary thing when you see someone that like breaks down right before their biggest accomplishments, because then I've seen so many people like that live in regret for the rest of their life. Yeah. Like if I would have only done this, if I only this. And on the flip side, you can also meet people that were presented the world and were just catastrophes and they blame everybody else. And so you yeah. have to early on in defining that relationship, you have to determine whether this is a person that you can trust this is a mm-hmm. person you can believe in. 
this is a person that you can bank your reputation on too. Yeah. And I've had situations where I've been with a client. I've been with clients. My longest client right now is nine years of the Mayday Parade. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also been with clients that lasted three months. And I was like, I'm out. I yeah. can't, you're crazy. I can't deal with you. <laughs> um, and so I think you have to kind of figure out exactly where you want to go. Yeah. When did you like, what experiences led to you understanding, or maybe it was natural for you to say peace out after three months, because in my world, I've managed artists for years and years, knowing it was not right. Yeah. Knowing I wanted it more than them, knowing it was unhealthy. And it, for me, up until probably the last big artist breakup I had, I thought that was me making the right choice and being mm -hmm. strong. And now I'm like, I am so peace out so quick totally. because it finally, like it took me till I was 35 to teach me that. Totally. So have you just always been able to be like, no. I'm done or did <laughs> no. something happen? I think, I think when I was younger and I think this happens all the time. I, I yeah. have younger managers in my office. I talk to younger managers mm -hmm. all the time you get in this place where you define your identity by your success or your failure, yeah. which is the stupidest thing you can do, in <laughs> yeah. a, especially in this line of work that is so like hit yeah. or miss. Um, and early on, I, I had this attitude of like, I can fix anything. I'm mm -hmm. kind of this like stupid Superman attitude. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember there was a lot of clients that were just very toxic, that were not achieving the goals that we had re we had discussed together. Right. That were self sabotagers. That also had mental issues that needed yeah. to have a therapist that was not yes. me um, to yeah. deal with. Yeah. And uh, I think some of the PTSD I got from working with some mm -hmm. of those clients for a little too long. It, it's made it. I think now the thing that people can't realize until you've done this for a while mm -hmm. is almost every artist is the same. These are not original stories. And when someone is like on a verge of doing really well, you see patterns. And when someone's on the verge of screwing it all up, you see patterns. And so now I just, I look for the person and I try to understand yeah. where they're at. And if I notice that they're going down and I can't talk logic or reason into them, mm -hmm. and I am just being used as the person to be blamed, mm -hmm. I have my time is not well spent on that because I have so many other clients that I get yeah. positive reinforcement from. And I've learned that the negative ones occasionally will make you enough money to justify it. <laughs> but if you put more of the focus on the ones that are moving positive and you guys are on the same wavelength, yeah. there's so much more money to so be much made more. there. And you're actually going to achieve the goals that you have instead of mm -hmm. just like attaching your somebody, yourself to somebody on the way down. Yeah. Do you ever feel you. like maybe you stayed with an art? Cause I think this is a big thing for me. I mean, one, it was the, I can't lose. I can do anything. I'm superwoman. I'm not going to give up. But I think too, it was the thing of like, I've invested totally. X number of years. I don't want to throw that down the drain. And I was more concerned with my investment yeah. than the trajectory of that artist, even having the ability to make me any money in the future. Totally. Yeah. So I've had that happen before. And a lot of that leads on ego. Like, yeah, as managers, we have, there's, I, I always joke that there's this like God complex that yeah. some managers have. That's just so unrealistic and out of touch, yeah. but you're taught that way because you're part of helping others achieve their yeah. dream. And however minor or major it is, it's there. Yeah. I I've worked with several clients that I felt like too invested. And in. I had a, I had a young singer songwriter of Georgia that I had developed from scratch mm -hmm. and, and, we built her into like a six figure sync business mm -hmm. and, and she just never really wanted to do it. And it wasn't her fault. It's just like, yeah. it just happened really quick. And she was, she, she was not achieving her goals because mm -hmm. she did not know what her goals were. And I stuck around for that one too long. And at the end, like she literally had to take a couple years off because she was just like, I don't know if this is right for me. Yeah. I, I also worked with, a, a, with Matt Carney for nine years and, and I really believe in what Matt is, but the last two, like, we, I always tell people we had seven great years 
and two of the crappiest years I've ever been a part of because at a certain point, we stopped listening to each other. I, I stopped listening and understanding what Matt's mm-hmm. goals were and Matt stopped stopped actually knowing what his goals were. Yeah. And it, and it, and he, and it's all, that was a great lesson too in like making sure your team is really strong mm-hmm. because Matt had some amazing people that worked for him. It's some very toxic people that worked mm-hmm. for him. And when he was going through that, I think there was a lot of self doubt that he was having in everyone yeah. around him. And he, he more so chose to lean with the toxic people in their yeah. input. And when we parted with Matt and his next record came out and it, and it underperformed as was expected, the toxic people that had alle- had kind of alienated from everybody else, they left him. Yeah. And and he's now in a much healthier place with a much better team and a much better situation. But I, I regret a lot about how long I was with that. And I also regret a lot about what I took during that. Like I took a lot of not positive feedback mm-hmm. and not true advice that I made myself feel was true mm-hmm. that has taken a couple of years for me to kind of realize like, that was a bad situation. That was yeah. an unhealthy relationship at that yeah. point. And also I can look back at it now and say, no, those are the things I said we should do that were not listened to. Yeah. And, and that's why it led to this. And then now that things are back on track, yeah. he's listening to people that are giving him advice that would be the same advice I would give. Yeah. Do you have any artists in your, you know, your past that you feel like you haven't like got over yet? Uh, as far as like, uh, like, like a bad situation, like it still bothers you. Cause I still have some of that. And like, that's why I go to therapy. Yeah. You know, like even last night or this morning, I saw a picture of someone I know well now who has had another person, a picture that I managed yeah. pro- over a decade ago. And it like made me in a bad mood totally. and I don't even know why, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just like that person triggers me. I don't yeah. want to see them. I don't want to see their face. And I'm still trying to figure all that out. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't have, I used to, but I don't, mm-hmm. I think I've gotten past all that. Yeah. I, I more so get upset about the clients that like I was super in love with. Like yeah. th- this is the client that I wanted. I really want to define what I do Yeah. and it just never worked. And I feel, I always have this kind of guilt yeah. of like, I wish I would have taken this band a little bit further, or I wish we'd have had the opportunities mm-hmm. that these bands are getting at this time frame. Yeah. But it's but it's all timing. The the negative situations they come and go, and I think I've learned from them, and I've learned like, oh, this wouldn't have worked whether whether everybody listened to each other. Like this was just going downhill. Yeah. yeah. And when I talk about sometimes these stories are not original, it's because like mm-hmm. they reoccur every like five or six years, and you're like, oh crap, that that's what I should have yeah. learned from that. And so yeah. I, I don't I don't I also don't place any blame on somebody when, whether it was me or them, it doesn't, because it's such a personal thing yeah. and you're so emotionally invested that at times you're going to say the wrong things. And at times those are going to be the things that people just dwell on. Yeah. And every situation that ever ended poorly for mm-hmm. me led to a door that opened that was significantly better for me. Yeah. So I've got no reason to harbor any ill will. It yeah. all has led to a very healthy career for me and for the people they found the people that needed to be with them yeah. or they realized this might not be yeah. for them at that point. That's a great way to look at it. And I think for me, it's always putting it on me. Yeah. Like when I see this person, I feel like I failed, totally. even though I also know after analyzing this in my head for 12 years, this was not meant to work. This totally. person was too young. They may even have a chance now that they've been in Nashville for totally. 15 years type of thing. And there's so much to it, but I still like my gut was when I saw that person was it made me remember something that I felt like I failed at, but and, I think and I, I still have those, like I'll have those memories of yeah. like, Oh, this wouldn't happen. Yeah. I, I more so don't take, like 
I think because the artist relationship's so fragile at a certain mm-hmm. point yeah. that I've learned not to take that out on the artist. There's still plenty of industry people that if I saw walking down the street <laughs> and they were on fire, I wouldn't spit on them. So I mean, like, there's plenty of that, but 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 I don't take it out on the artist because I yeah. tend to think that even in the worst case, an artist has a more genuine, true heart. Mm-hmm than yeah. some slimy business person. Yeah, but I want to kind of take even what I'm saying, and I think the reason for this goes into our next conversation yeah. topic, which is boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something, and granted, you're a full-time artist manager. I've always kind of dabbled in it because I do enjoy working with artists. I would love to be able to do that more full-time, but I mean, look, I'm great at digital marketing. That's totally. what I do. I mean, that that's I know I can do that. I've always tried to do this better and I don't think it's necessarily the thing that I do best. However, I love being with artists. I I now know like team members at Cassie, she's way better at this. She can do it. I can't take the emotion of it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I'm too emotional. Um, but I've had a really hard time over the past 15 years with my boundaries. Um, I don't know how many times I've said like this, this girl is like my daughter to me, Mm -hmm. my sister, my best friend to where they would accidentally call me mom. And I'd realize that their mommy issues are why Mm -hmm. we're having issues, stuff like that. So, I finally found a great company and I know you're big on mental health and, and, and therapy and things like that. So I go to a company called um, entertainment health services and it's mm-hmm. kind of like music industry therapy, yeah, which is amazing. And I think it took me so long to go to therapy cause I was like, they're not going to understand what I do. Yeah. They're not going to understand like why, like this is a thing that happened or why I dated a guy they live on a bus with. Like they're going to yell at me and they're going to think I'm stupid and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I found a company. So it was a blessing to find that, but I've learned my biggest problem is boundaries. Yeah. So what issues in your career have you had with boundaries with your management clients? Cause yeah. obviously it's a very emotional thing. They have dreams. You have dreams. You're all totally. trying to make them work. And how have you kind of drawn that line yeah. to have a healthy relationship. Well, I, I think the fact that you talk about you have boundary issues with work too is pretty common because this entire industry is built yeah. upon boundary issues. Yeah, It's built upon paying people less money, requiring them to work 80 hour weeks where they can't turn their phone yeah. off. They have to be checking emails when they're yep. in the shower, literally. Um, so I have my Apple watch. Yeah. I, no, I tell people, I'll be like, I, I keep it on the shower and I go to my shower curtain and I wipe it off so I can tap totally. it if I get a text. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but it, but it's built on, it's built on this like fear of missing out this, yeah. this like, Oh, if I don't do this, this client's going to leave me and then I'm going to yeah. regret it forever. And it's, it's so unhealthy. Yeah. And it, it did take years of therapy for me to get to a place where I'm even feeling rational half yeah. the time. But I think for me, I've always looked at it as like a manager client relationship has to be built on respect. Mm-hmm. And usually when your boundary issues are being attacked, it's when there's a lack of respect on one side. Mm. It's either me being yeah. like, why isn't this kid working hard enough? Yeah. Or them being like, why am I not getting these opportunities? And then it becomes or this- both. Or both. And, yeah. and it becomes this manipulation game of like, okay, this is how I'm going to push them to work for me. Yeah. And when you start, when you take when you take away the relationship of being a very- genuine, close, like we're doing this together mm-hmm. to a, what are you doing for me? Yeah. It creates this negative, toxic culture mm. that all the respect, all the trust is gone. And the second that's there, you should get rid of that relationship. Mm. And so for my clients, like I've just learned, like I'm a workaholic. I'm going to email at all times a day. I don't expect you to have to hit me back if yeah. I'm emailing you at 11 o'clock at night. And you should also not expect me to respond to your crazy manic texts at midnight about a t-shirt design. Yes. Um, so I've done that. I've also created boundaries where I take two vacations a year where I'm literally unreachable mm-hmm. and I do, I time it to where it doesn't conflict with our artist schedules. Yeah. But if you call me on that vacation, you should expect to not have a healthy yeah. conversation yeah. with me. Um, 
and also like I, I've, I've taken more of a progress on my actual health. Mm-hmm. So I feel better during the day and I rest at night. Mm-hmm. I don't glue myself to my computer yeah. or my phone so that when I come into work, I'm fully focused and mm-hmm. I'm able to serve. Right. I'm not there to, it's not about me at that point. It's about what I can do for that yeah. client and help them. And any, even in the craziest situation, I can talk to them logically and rationally because there is love there, there is care there, but there's also a business relationship that mm-hmm. no matter what, the business comes first. So if I feel like you're making a bad decision off of a personal reaction that doesn't impact the business, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you to tell you that. Tell you that. And if you tell me, and if the same thing goes to me to where I'm choosing my personal life mm-hmm. over our business relationship, you should have the same wherewithal to be able to right. tell me like, you're not treating this like a professional. Yeah. And every time I've, I've done it that way, yeah. I've had relationships that even after the end that we're very close because we realized everybody did the most for the other in that yeah. situation. And the ones that ended poorly were ones where we started taking out our own things from our own personal life yeah. onto each other. Like, I don't like you because you do this this way, like this girl that I used to date used to do. Or I don't like this yeah. because my dad treated yeah. me like this. And I'm sorry, I can't fix people that their dads did not hug them at a certain <laughs> point. That's well beyond my means. That's for the therapist. That's for the therapist. <laughs> and and I think when I cut out this like, yeah. Hey, call me when you need to yell or feel. Yeah. It, it made for much because we got so much more done. Yeah. So it's, it's been healthier. Yeah. yeah. Um, you said something that made me trigger when wanting to talk about this. And I don't know. I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, but I think it would be an interesting question for you yeah. as a man. Um, I, I know you do have some female artists, something that I've dealt with a lot with like bringing up the mommy and daddy issues is th- these girls that are beautiful, smart ta- And I'm like, I want to be you and thinking like, well, my mom always said I was too fat. My dad always, I deal with so much of that. And I feel like I've dealt with it primarily with females. Mm. So many body issues. Have you ever had to deal with that as a male? Like, are they saying that to their male managers as much as they've maybe said it to their female managers? I don't know that I get those same no. kind of conversations. Okay. I, I tend, it's an interesting thing. Like I, I, the female clients that I've had and also the female employee, mm-hmm. like, there's so much more, there's a maturity level that's so much more there yeah. um, than some of the male clients I've had. Yeah. I, I deal with less of like the, yeah. those fears because I think they're so driven to get to that point yeah. sometimes because it's such a hard business. Well, and practice. for me, like I've found that I'm not good with girls Yeah. because of that. And I, th- it, it's so, cause I'm literally looking at these girls going, <laughs> you're telling me you're overweight and I'm obviously over. And it's just, it boggles my mind. And so it, it kind of triggered me when you were talking about the mom. Cause I feel like a lot of times it's, well, my mom said, and like, I don't know, it's just a thing that has bled in a lot for me. And I think it's interesting cause I think I do get more of it cause they're more comfortable saying it to me. Totally. Like girl talk, like, yeah. yo, I look fat in this totally. where I would probably say that to a girl before I'd say it to a man, Totally. you know? So, but, but I, I will say like, regardless of the gender, I yeah. definitely get conversations that are just like, I did not know I was going to have talked about that guy and the way he, his calves looked in those skinny jeans. That's a conversation <laughs> I'm not fully prepared yeah. for. And yeah. also I was not expecting yeah. him to even want to talk about talk that, about- <laughs> but I'm the person he feels the most comfortable to do it. Yeah. Like, okay. This is, this is something yeah. they did not teach me in yeah. school or in management. But I guess yet, it's interesting. So. Cause honestly, when I talk to guys about that stuff, it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll give you an opinion, yeah. but it's like with girls, I'm like, you're opening up my box of totally. crap. Totally. You know what I'm saying with a guy? I'm like, yeah, whatever. You're fine. You don't look fat. You're whatever, you know, yeah. it's just, it's so funny. And it's just, I don't know. It, we I, I we actually, all have things that trigger us in, oh, in a yeah. weird way. And it's interesting how we respond to them, yeah. how we justify them sometimes yeah. when it's like, if anybody else said that to us, we'd be like, I cannot believe it. But it's sometimes like the weirdest thing that, yeah. that should not matter will get us off on a tangent. And yeah. it's like, you have to sometimes realize like this other person is like trusting you for honest feedback yeah. 
take a breather if you if you if it really bothers you that much. Yeah. But it's it's hard to do in the moment. So. Well, and you know too, and you know you work more in rock. I work more in pop, but. Yeah people are going to have opinions about what you look like and, and all these things. And so it's, it's a thing as much as we it's wish it wasn't. It is, it is, a it thing is a thing. Is it is yeah. a thing. So it's a, it's a weird business. I, I go through every it's year. Super like, weird. Are we, are we in the crapper right now? Or yeah. is this like worth yeah. it? Um, but it feels, I think the thing that is inspiring to me and this probably will get mm-hmm. me in trouble, but it's like, I think some of the old dinosaurs that kept screwing it up for so many years are now either being kicked out or like being pushed aside or and dying. A lot, and a lot of young people <laughs> that have different good ideas are being given the ball I to agree. run with. And, and for me, I think that's exciting because I'm seeing people my age or people younger than me, like actually having a voice and it connecting. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. I'm sorry, I don't need to see another headshot of Clive Davis or LA Reed who aren't doing anything. Um, Basically just being there to make sure they make a power players list. Yeah. I'd rather be yeah. around young people that don't even give a crap about that. Yeah. And are, and are more trying to connect it to make yeah. new ways for artists to be heard and connect to an audience. Well, it's great because I don't give a crap about that either, but I sometimes I'm on power players list now oh. and I'm like, oh, what me? Like, yeah, <laughs> you want me to tell you why I love the Backstreet Boys and you want to print it in Billboard magazine? Yeah. What? Like, but, it's but crazy. That's good. Like, that's what you, you know? want. You want yeah. people like you that have been in the trenches mm-hmm. and working yeah. this hard and building something from scratch. Scratch. That's who I'd rather see there than yeah. someone that's just literally in there so they meet the median requirement mm-hmm. that that major corporation needs to have FaceTime. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, too. Like, now that Cassie and I have had some of these honors, which are, are truly honors, you know? Like, I have a magazine sitting on my desk with Paul McCartney on the fucking cover that yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Like, what? You yeah. know? Um, and so now we'll go to people like you or whomever and say, hey, can I nominate you for this thing? Mm-hmm. And I think the funny thing is a lot of times when I go to people that I, I consider, like, my peers will be, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm like... I'm not, Yeah, I'm not that per. you know what I'm saying? And I, I think that a lot of us, like we've seen the Ellie Reeds and all these people and say, Oh, I'm not there yet, but why can't you be? Yeah. You know, I, be- I bet they were down when they were 38 to be on these lists. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm really, I think we're really trying to start looking at like, cause people do pay attention to these things, totally. but nominate those people who have those stories yeah. who are on my podcast that, that can say, Oh, I did this thing. And I love it too. Cause I felt like for so long, as fun as it was, I felt like I had this story that sounded unique. Oh, you were a, you were a groupie boy band fan. And, and then they hired you and now. But the thing is that story is becoming more common and mm-hmm. I love it totally. because I want people who are as passionate about w- one direction yeah. or whomever that, that I, you know, like I was about the Backstreet Boys. That's who I want to run the fucking music industry. Totally. Yeah. They understand it more than anything. Yeah. And we're you know? all, we're all at one point that kid. Yeah. They couldn't get enough of this. They just mm-hmm. wanted any way to get into it. Yeah. And, and everybody finds a different path. Yeah. But you're right. Those are the people, because that's where the heart is. Yeah. And I think ultimately, like, if an artist really wants to connect with an audience, yeah. you need to understand either on being one of the side, whether you yeah. came from a musician background or whether you came from the fan background yeah. or both, figuring out how those two connect because it changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. You want somebody that has their finger on the pulse. You do. As much as that kind of stuff doesn't matter to a lot of people, it was embarrassing in the beginning of my career to be like, oh yeah, I like I like love the Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care now, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But like, it was like a little embarrassing because there were people that told me, you can't tell people that. Yeah. 
I had a lot of people tell me, you can't tell people that you can't act like a fan. You can't do like this. And I'm like, there's a, you know, acting, I'm not going to go up and hump Nick Carter's leg, but at the same time, I'm going to sing along to your damn show and be like, you changed my life. Yeah. Obviously you're, I mean, and like, I'm sorry, but the Backstreet Boys know that anybody in my age had their fucking face on their bedroom wall. They already know this before you come up to them. It's not a secret. Um, And, And luckily, like I've had the opportunity to hire so many of those girls. Like I have a girl in LA. She, she, is she's the one direction girl and I know and it's funny now because now I have her working on the Backstreet Boys yeah because I have to run the company you know and it's funny because I'm teaching her like she's bringing in a new perspective from being 15 years younger and I'm teaching her like this brand and it's just fun it's just fun to be able to do things like that so I've always wanted to tell people like I always have like interns and young people that work for me who do you like who do you want to work on do you hear something that you want to work on I'll find something for you to do because I want people who understand a brand better than like, you know, I'll get, I'll get rap artists. I'm like, I don't know this Mm -hmm. genre. I don't know this brand who here gets this. That is what's important to me. Yeah. You know, and I want, I want people to understand that it's not dirty. It's not, it's not a joke. Like being passionate is awesome. Totally. And being a fan is awesome. And the fact that you're empowering people around you to work on things that they're passionate about, yeah. is only going to make the culture of your business. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So, so I wanted to talk about, actually I wanted to thank you because we, like I said, we did this podcast before, but you went on about your culture with interns and how you mentor them. Yep. And after you said that, I was like, fuck, I don't really do that. <laughs> and like, I think there was a time I did it, but my company grew really quickly. Yeah. And I realized we don't, I, I don't know the name of my interns half the time. Yeah. And so this semester I created an intern program because of you, Yeah. because oh, cool. I was like, I, I want to do that. I should do that. I should yeah. be doing that. So I, I put somebody in charge of it. It's not me, but like mm-hmm. we had an intern dinner and we took them on the dinner at first, got to know them. I'm actually learning their names. You I, go. you know, and it, it's, I, I, you know, I put, I put things on the table and I was like, I want you to be able to attend like, you know, two shows while you're in the internship, go to four, you know, real meetings in the music industry, things like that. We're yeah. like, we've just never had that before. Totally. So I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I would love for you to talk more about it and how you, you say that mentorship and, and all that is a really important to you. It's a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's more because I get just as much as I give out of mm-hmm. it. So uh, it was people invested in me early in my career that did not have to, that taught me the music business, mm-hmm. um, that needed free help and needed someone to kind of yeah. do all the things they couldn't do at that point. And every person that I worked for taught me something. I learned something just from how they talked or how they negotiated. Mm-hmm. And it's made me a better manager over the years. The thing that I like so much about working with interns, and I've, I've done it now for like 17 years I've had interns, which is wow. crazy to me. Um, I've been able to watch young people that had a passion for something that hadn't quite figured out what it was yet and either learned from working with me or other people, I really like this, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been fun to see where everybody's gone and what they've gone mm-hmm. on to do. I've had, I've had interns that have worked at the biggest management companies that have tour managed huge bands that yeah. have been booking agents that have been publicists. One of my interns like has a dog that's famous on the internet. So it's like, right. Doug it's, the pug, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah. And she's, she's become a New York times bestseller. Was that your idea? I heard at one point it was like your idea or your suggestion. It was not my idea. It was idea. not? It was not. That was, okay. Leslie deserves all the credit okay. for that. The only thing, the only piece of advice I gave Leslie as she left, cause uh-huh. Leslie was, she was my intern for a while. Then she was my assistant right. for a while. And then the dog blew up and, and she had a, she had a conversation. She's like, she was really nervous about it. She's like, I'm going to quit the job to work with my 
dog full time. And she, I'm a very sarcastic person. So she knew that was going to be like, are you sure? But, but she was, she was so dialed into the internet and what was working that I knew something would happen. But the only piece of advice I gave her is like, listen, dogs die eventually. Um, so if you're banking, like, please get insurance like Tina Turner has on her legs. Yeah. Yeah. And that dog lives a very good life now. (laughs) But, but, but that's all her. So I definitely yeah. will never take credit for that. Leslie yeah. did everything for that. And still, the dog was in the Super Bowl commercial. I, I, <laughs> I see the dog on the red carpet yeah. more than any other yeah. quote unquote celebrity. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's the dog's really cute too. Totally. But and I, it's real well behaved. And yeah. But like I have, I have a, I have an ex intern that was intern for me two years ago that was out with Usher recently. She's assistant TM for Usher. Um, I'm going to need her number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got to watch people that were a little left of center just like yeah. I was that I that I believed in in the same way that somebody believed in me. Yeah. And whether I've given them some vote of confidence in themselves or given them somebody to either model themselves after or not model themselves after, <laughs> it's pretty awesome to see the success rate we've had of these kids and it's it's not an easy internship. I'm not exactly the most PC of people and it's kind of surviving it's a badge of honor and Yeah. The good thing we've taught is like they're passing it down to each other. So there's there's crops of kids that intern at different periods that now are close friends that this is kind of this is a memory that was a good one for them. And so that's that's been good to me. And I just I think if you give back to the generation under you, mm-hmm. you have a better overall industry and all the people that I hated working for early in my career are dead by the time I retire from doing there this. There you go. Um, and, th- and then and then hopefully those young ones will take care of you later. Well, I, I just hope they take care of themselves. <laughs> That's the biggest goal. I, it should be my responsibility to take care of myself. I just hope they can take care of themselves. So. But I've, uh, in all the experiences, I, I tell people, like, roughly we have a count right now, and I think like 76% of the kids that have come through our office have gone on to get jobs in the music business. Oh my gosh, I don't um, have any of these statistics. <laughs> I feel like such a loser. <laughs> But but it's it's cool it's cool to have those kids that yeah. stay in touch with you and, and yeah. call you when they're going through tough stuff just like I have people that I call when yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I'm making the right choice. Yep. It's a it's a it's a respect thing and it's 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 a really prideful thing to know. And that that's great. Kids. I mean, it's great yeah. to have. And that's why, like we said in the beginning, like having those ending of relationships, which you're going to have. You're yeah. not going to stay in the same job forever. Make them chill. Totally. You know, like make them good because you're going to one. The music industry is small. Yeah. And you're going to run into everybody again. Totally. I don't care if it's actually in a business transaction or on the red carpet, you're going to run into everybody again. And then yeah. AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys who I manage, he's always saying, and granted, this is somebody who has sold 140 million albums and literally toured the entire world for 27 years. And he always gives that classic, like, you know, it's everybody you see on the way up, you're going to see on the way down. Yep. You know, and 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 it's just it's interesting to hear from somebody who's had such a long standing career, still selling out arenas, yeah, totally. um, nominated for a Grammy last year to say stuff like that. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, it's you know those things that you hear that you think are so cliche, like they're true. They really totally. are true. And and life is life, and everybody has their ups and downs. And yeah, you gotta kind of you gotta kind of lead with uh, your best self. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's remarkable how just being an honest, good person is a rarity. Yes. You know, and what I always say is, dude, I gave up lying when I was a teenager because I, it is insane how many times I catch people in lies, whether it's just in business or with like an intern or something like that. But I'm like, dude, I sleep at night. Yeah. Nobody can ever catch me doing anything because I am an open book. I don't lie. I'm going to tell you everything to your face. If you think I said it behind your back, I'd also say it to your face. It's just, I mean, I just, for me, and I know that's sometimes hard for people, but like, I think that's the way to live. Yeah. Like just do the thing, be yourself. 
Yeah. And it all works out. It all works out. That's the thing. So many people stress out about yeah. like, are they making the right choices? And yeah. as long as you just lead with your gut and try to do things, your best abilities, yeah. things work out. And have you found, much. you know, being in the music industry almost two decades now, have you found that there were things that any situation that you were maybe angry at somebody and, and, and you've seen like 10 years later, you've seen them get theirs. Oh yeah. And you're like, oh, I feel better. Like I had nothing to do with it, but like I knew it was going to eventually bite them in the ass. Totally. Well, you know, I, well, I think sometimes you don't know if it is and you're like, yeah. Oh, it just drives me insane. Yes. But like, I think that's one of the humbling parts of this business yeah. is that that whole going up and going down thing yeah. is real. And I think when you notice people have certain qualities that make them unlikable people and that they're going to stab somebody in the back, thing is they don't always stay on the top and somebody eventually stabs them yep. right back and you can quietly smile around that yep. um and also just realize that's not my problem anymore and yep. there's there's so much there's so much relief that comes from like yeah kind of feel sorry that person never learned their lesson but then you can also look at somebody that like was humble and did it the mm -hmm. right way and, and treated people with respect mm -hmm. and you're like I'm glad to see that happening for that. That's yeah. one of the more rewarding things for me now is seeing the people that I came up oh, with. Oh, hundred percent. And seeing the I people. I love it. Danny Ruckuson was yeah. a guy that I worked with that we used to have our bands tour together. Like mm -hmm. my bands would open for his bands. Yeah. And he had, he managed like never shout never. And yes. like front porch, like some <laughs> trashy, terrible bands. And then like that were just terrible to him. And like, yeah. me, but he was always so polite and kind and treated everyone. So, yeah. so the fact like, Scooter Braun, mm -hmm. after the Grammys, posted a picture of Danny and his partner, Jason. Wow. And was just like, it's good to see those people, like, those people win. Like, Dalton, you were talking about fun, or like, mm -hmm. the format earlier. Yeah. Like, Dalton Sim is a manager that I've respected mm -hmm. for my entire life. And yeah. he, he got started by managing Guster, mm -hmm. managed them forever. And I worked with him, because yeah. I worked on Nate's solo album. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, yeah. to see how he, he just developed bands into college rock yeah. bands, and then to see how... The format did okay, mm -hmm. but then Fun became the biggest band in the world, yeah. and he was just doing the same thing he always yeah. did. It's always good to see those people, and it's always also good to see the people that early on you realize like they didn't, they treated me with disrespect, mm -hmm. they were inconsiderate, they just stepped over people. The beautiful part about the music business is it's unforgiving in so many ways. Those people don't usually last long, mm -mm. and eventually they get out, and then. The beauty of social media now is you can watch their life spiral out of control. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I got to high five you for that one. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, it's true. It's true. And, and I'm just starting to see some of that, you know, yeah. and it's like, all right, I'm good. Because sometimes you question being the good person. At least I do. Well, there's a tremendous amount there, of self I mean, just moments. That's just kind of like, should I have done the dirty move? Because they, at the moment, have something I don't have that I really wish I had. Totally. Um, but I don't. I never, I've never chosen that route. Yeah, but I, you, I really haven't, and I, I feel good saying that. People, people have a tremendous amount of self-doubt on if they did the right thing or not. Yeah. And usually if you just handle yourself the right way, yeah. the thing, you may not have that instant success or that you may not jump into that cash early yeah. on, but you have a longer career. Yeah. And the odds of you making more money and touching more people and being more successful yeah. in a longer period of time gives you what everybody truly wants, but won't admit they want is a long career mm -hmm. that impacts other people. Yeah. And that's, that's way more powerful to me than that one moment that did really well where you sold mm -hmm. every bit of your soul and your character out. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't sleep at night if I did that. Mm -hmm. I can sleep at night knowing that if anyone called any client I ever worked with for the past 20 years yeah. and said, did Josh Terry screw you over? Mm -hmm. Even if they don't like me, which yeah. there are a couple, not one of them is going to say, yeah, that guy did everything poorly or that guy 
that guy took advantage of me. Like I'd rather do that and make less money and have a longer career than be one of those sleazy people that every time I see him walk into room, I just roll my eyes and snarl. hundred percent. So totally agree. Yeah. So the lesson of this episode is be a good person. Do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. But for real, I love all this cheesy shit. Yeah. I post all them little memes, all them little girl boss saying, I do it every day. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. apologize if they screw up your feed, but <laughs> I believe in it and baby Yoda. Yep. And on that, I'm out. Cool. Thanks. Thank you for having me.